This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Joy 94.9 is a GLBTIQ community radio station in Melbourne, Australia. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. I'm Jibin, Joy 94.9's multicultural show with Buddy, Leo and Hugh. Bjorn Jibin represents peace and understanding in our multicultural GLBTIQ community. If you have any comments on the program or like to ask questions, you can contact us in all the following ways. Owen Jibin on Joy 94.9's Facebook page, SMS 0427JOY949 or email on air at joy.org.au. Welcome to On Driven on Joy 94.9. Today we're going to be talking to Carol Ann, who comes from the USA. Carol Ann has been on the show in 2010, but we had so many people who wanted to hear more of her story and the end of the story. We asked her back to On Driven to have a chat with us again. So stay tuned to On Driven on Joy 94.9 to hear the rest of Carol Ann's story. And you're back on Orange Ribbon on Joy 94.9. Now, now we are joined in the studio by the lovely Carol Ann. Now, Carol Ann, welcome to the show. Now, you were here in 2010. However, for those listeners who were not um, listening to the show back in 2010, um, can you just please give us a little bit of an intro about who you are and what you do? Well, let me see if I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> I am an American. I was born in Providence, Rhode Island, and I, let's see, I went to university in New York City. That was my first big move, and then from there, I moved briefly to Boston, which is actually where my mother and her parents are from, mm. and from there, I moved to London, and I was there for 12-odd years, oh. and from there, I moved to Berkeley, California, and from Berkeley, I moved to Melbourne. Okay. So, so there we are. <laughs> Around the world, people. <laughs> How was it in the Big Apple? In the Big Apple? The Big Apple was... I was there in the early 70s, and it was a very different place from uh, what it is now. And one of the things that's changed since I was last on in mm. 2010 is that I've actually been back to New York, and okay. I was just blown away by the place. Um, there were, uh, it was just phenomenal to be there. Mm. And when I went to university there, it was still kind of in the dark, um, scary days. I think we had a conversation about yeah, that the yeah. last time. 
um, but this time it was uh, a very much more um, regulated city. And what was interesting about it is that New York, as I remember it growing up and, and even when I was there, wasn't a place that was really considered part of America. Mm. It was very much ethnically, and you can read in parentheses, Jewish, um, considered to be outside of the mainstream of America. And what has been really interesting since 2001, September 11th, mm. is that America has claimed New York City as its own. And as a result of that, it is, although New Yorkers can still be New Yorkers, it, there is a gloss in the city of mm. Americana that's been you know that has overtaken it and sort of America has claimed this place as as it as part of its heartland you know yep, and yep. I think the, uh, coming from a person not in America and people that want to visit America if you ask them where do you want to go in America they always say New York it seems to be a very popular choice for overseas people I think it's a great choice yeah. to make but I my experience was just very jarring as mm. as a, a returning American. It wasn't helped by the fact that actually, when I was um, when I was visiting, I walked straight into a um, July Fourth uh, parade. So there were just thousands and oh thousands God, yeah. and thousands of American flags, ten thousand policemen, and all, all kinds of things. And it was just, it was America, but it didn't feel like New York to me. Mm. When you when you go back and see all these flags and everything else, now that you're living in Australia, does it make you feel really proud to be American? To be honest, it makes me concerned about America. Um, Why? Because there is this sprouting of flags that really is quite um, dampening of of the diversity mm. of Amer of America you know um and this it's kind of regulatory it's, it's almost as if the police are everywhere mm. you know there um it where w there's this assumption of patriotism and this sort of assumption of kind of national um identity and assertion that mm. can really um sort of hit you in the face has it become too controlled, do you think? Like too You know, organized? it's funny that we're talking about it because <laughs> I'm, I'm actually not there. So, yeah. so I, I think some of my um, impressions of it are, are the impressions now of a visitor. Yes, mm. yes. Rather than of somebody who, who lives there. Yeah. I, I think anyone who lives in Australia but comes from a different country, I mean myself included, um, when you go back is it's hard to identify yourself with that country again because you've been away for so long. Yeah. Um, so is that what you're saying that you know you you don't feel it's your country or it's not that I don't feel it's my country but I certainly don't easily identify with it but you know if we look at the trajectory of those um, travels that mm. I that I talked about I mean I was leaving I was always ever leaving America for the most part mm. um, I came back I unexpectedly moved back once but um, I think I I'm one of those people who kind who left and yeah, um, yeah. and that was a deliberate choice. I just want to pick up on what you said before about New Yorkers or New York in general are feeling a little bit sterilized in your view. Have you had a chance to speak to people who live in New York and if they see their own city moving towards that Americana style of city? 
my conversations while I was there were with people that I hadn't seen had, hadn't seen for a long time mm. and and checking up and when I expressed this observation to them, to them and talked about what I saw was the difference mm. they could see it they could see it as well but what I lack is the experience mm. that New York went through and I don't want to in any way diminish mm. the significance and and the traumatic um, repercussions of that experience. But, I'm, but I do question, mm. and I think it's important to question the way in which America has been nationalized and kind of pulled together um, by um, September 11th, and September 11th has been used for many, in many ways to roll back prog- some progressive mm. things in the states particularly multiculturalism and um what i saw was new york kind of struggling mm. with uh sustaining its um, multicultural vitality mm. okay. but going through that whole experience has given york a bit of a heart hasn't it do you think a bit of a heart more uh, of a warm sort of feeling i love many things about about the states i go back when i i go back when i can I have many, many friends there, and um, yes, I think that it was it was sort of connecting. But I also, in a way, have to um, visit and leave and come back to where my life is. You're on Joy ninety four point nine with On Driven with Hugh Mark and Booty. Joy ninety four point nine. This is On Driven with Leo Booty and myself, Hugh. And today's guest is Carol Ann who comes from the U.S. Now, Caroline, you're a bit of a wanderer, aren't you? You've been through a few cities. My mother used to talk, to, uh, call me her wandering Jew. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me. Um, Does that make me a weed here? A weed. No. no. <laughs> so why, what's this wandering thing? Tell us about that. <laughs> well, you know, I think we travel for different reasons. And my traveling has been, I mean, some of it has been as a visitor and as a tourist in certain ways, but I think the significant travels that I've done have been more towards looking forward to finding the place that I feel at home in. So um, I've done a lot of that, and I guess the wandering is about a, is also about a search for a place where I feel um, I feel at home. Mm. Do you feel like you're home now that you live in Melbourne, or you, do you you still want to do a little bit of more wandering around? Oh, increasingly so. I do. I, I you know, since 2010 when I was last here, I mean, there have been um, many things have deepened my connection here. I I have some wonderful friends. I have um, you know a family here of partner and two dogs. I have a community that that I know very well. I have a business here now. I have a um, you know I have colleagues. I have mm. work that's mine. I have an office that I go to and, and come home from every night. And I feel very much now s- more settled here. But I'm also just beginning to explore Melbourne and and to stretch a little bit outside of the the city limits and. I make the mistake often of asking people where they come from, and then they tell me where they come from. I don't know where it is, and then I ask where is it near, and then they make I make the mistake of not knowing where that is either. So I have a lot of travel of what information about the, to get. The, the cities overseas that you used to wander through, what city would you say is, brings back memories of being your favorite city, for example? 
Well, there are probably three cities that I have loved wandering and certainly London being one of them. Well, I mean, I lived there for 12 years, but I was always ever on the weekends just drifting around. And when I would um, walk home from work, I would walk through places that other, you know, that, that were the tourist places mm, that people would go. Mm. I, I had, for example, a job that was just on the mall, just down the road from Buckingham Palace. And so I would walk home from there and it was just an incredible, incredible experience. Interestingly enough, it's very different when you're working or living in a place than when you're visiting. Mm. And some years later, I went back to visit uh, London and I actually saw the changing of the guard for the very first time <laughs> then even though it happened daily mm. just three minutes away from where I was yeah. working. What what European cities so did you visit? Paris would be another one that I have spent um, a good deal of time in oh, you know, across many years mm. and this may be scandalous but I've never actually made it into the Louvre for any length of time because the, the, the queues were very long but I just always, every time it got to going inside, I just always wanted to stay out. And so I would wander the streets mm. and I would get to know the streets and the street life very well. And I have friends who live there. And so I would have the benefit of being able to live in, I, um, you know, live with, with residents and have a sense of the place there. One of my favorite experiences of, of being in Paris, I remember very clearly, is it was very hot one night. It would have been about 10 o'clock at night. Mm. And everyone was about, and under the Eiffel Tower, the, the lights were on, and everyone was just on the grass, jamming away with their instruments, and just talking, and just chilling out, and drinking, and eating. It was such a cool place to be. It's such a cool experience, because you see all these tourist places, and it's those simple things that you remember the most that you sort of take away from that experience a bit more. Yeah, that's right. And, and what's extraordinary about the Eiffel Tower, I mean, mm. it's, it, it is such a surprise. I mean, we it's probably the most well-known landmark, you know, landmark mm. in the world, and yet when you experience it for the first time, it's just phenomenal. Mm. I mean, it's mm. this giant machine. And one of my wanderings that I most enjoy doing in Paris, I would orient myself to the Eiffel Tower and I would walk towards it and then I would walk back away from it and I would try to sort of, you know, locate it in the city by um, by seeing what, you know, what it was connected to and then moving further and further out until mm. it was just a little spot on the landscape. And That's a good idea. I should do the next time I'm traveling. Uh, <laughs> one, of, one of my favorite cities is Amsterdam. Have you been to Amsterdam? I Amsterdam was the reason I started wandering when I was in. Isn't that great? Because everything leads back to the square. Everything, you, it, there's a big square in the middle of Amsterdam, and there's always roads going off it, and you can never get lost. It's so it's such a cool city to to wander in. It's yes, great. and these concentric circles yeah. of of canals. But when I was in, um, when I was at university, I um, sang with the. Columbia University Glee Club with which was a male chorus and I joined it because we found out that they were going to Europe for for their spring tour so a few of us women went over and liberated it and became tenors and as a result were able to um, fraudulently get on this trip and go to Europe mm. and the first place we st um, stopped was Amsterdam and we got to spend three days there because we had a rehearsal and then we had a recording and then we had a performance and I looked at this place and I wandered around and I said, I'm coming back here. And that became the sort of, I think, probably pivotal experience for me when I realized there's a world outside of the U.S. 
there's a world beyond where my family can reach me mm. and I'm going back there and that's in fact what I what I did and that's mm. how I later was led to live in London and so on and so forth. Great. Okay, we'll come back to Carol's end story very soon. Joy 94.9, this is On Shribbon with Leo, Booty and Hugh. And today our guest is Carol Ann from the US. And Carol Ann, um, just tell us, who was that singing? That was Ricky Lee Jones. Ricky Lee Jones, and the name of the song? The name of the song was Someone to Watch Over Me. It's a beautiful okay. rendition of the songs. It's mm. been done a lot. Now, at the very beginning of the show, you told us you come from Rhode Island, New Jersey. No, Rhode Island. Rhode, Rhode Island. Island is a state. New Jersey is a state. Okay, but sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but they're the two very small states. And Rhode Island is never really thought of as a state. It's kind of thought of as a part of comma between mm. Connecticut and Massachusetts. Okay. okay, I stand corrected. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit of your background when you, you know, where you come from, you know, the type of schooling and everything you did. Well, my parents were both born in the U.S. My mother's parents were both born in the U.S. in different parts of Boston, and they were from immigrant Jewish families. My grandfather was from Romania. My grandmother was from Lithuania. But they were very much of the generation of Jewish immigrants before the, before the war who um, really tried to assimilate very, very quickly into, um, into American life. On my father's side, both of his parents immigrated to the States from um, Eastern Europe when they were in their teens. Mm. And their immigration stories are very, really quite different. They're, they're quite traumatic immigration stories but then again so was everybody's at, <laughs> at that time but you know they they were people who came you know young young people who came in through Ellis Island settled in the lower east side of Manhattan mm. and built lives um, from there but interestingly they were cousins from the old country mm. and they, the old country they, they married here being well, it's an that's an interesting question because it's uh, it was the part on uh, on the border of Poland and and Russia that uh, changed hands a lot of a number of times. So mm. really, um, where they were from is probably up for up for grabs. <laughs> okay, so when you were young, were you taught any of the Jewish religion? I was raised in what's called a conservative Jewish family, and. I went to Hebrew school three times a week. I went to Sunday school. Um, I was taught all the sort of the forms of it, but my, was my family religious? No, but they were practicing in a in a way of, of ec that was expected and that was part of the community that that I grew up in. Um, their parents were more religious and observant than, mm. than my parents were. My parents were very, very involved with assimilating, but interestingly, assimilating into a Jewish American culture, which mm. itself um, replicated um, a certain kind of aspirational affluence mm. in America itself. So we had all the kinds of things in our community that mm. that you think of as is, is affluent America, but they mm. were very much 
yeah. from a Jewish community perspective. So how much of that background um, influence the way you are now, whether you still carry part of it, um, especially going to Hebrew schools, or if it doesn't really play a, a role in your life? I think what I learned in Hebrew school was to question things mm. because I would hear a lot of things that I didn't understand and that I wanted to know more about. And um, again, most of us who were there were there because we had to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it wasn't exactly something that was um, a, sort of a chosen thing, but I was really quite interested in it and wanted to sort of... Wanted to learn. Wanted, wanted to, to learn, learn yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay, we'll come back to Caroline's story very soon. And you're listening to Joy in 94.9 Orange Ribbon, and we are joined in the studio by Carol Ann. Now, Carol Ann, what's the story behind that music? Oh, I think it's the story of my aging, really, because I um, that's a Stephen Sondheim song from Sweeney Todd. And I've never seen Sweeney Todd, but there's something in, in the the lyrics of that song that I'm just really drawn to and I think have a lot to do with my wandering story because my wandering story, although we've been talking about places, mm. has much more importantly been about people and the trajectory of my travels has been much more about going towards relationships and people that I've met. And why that song? Because in that song is this gorgeous um, optimism or belief that people can be perfectly protective of each other and take care of each other. And of course, I'm, I'm listening to that song and I'm knowing sort of s- that th- this is going to end in tears, you know, that there's something, there's something that, they're n- that we can't protect each other in the way that we wish that we could. And so invariably, um, there's a there's a, a disappointment in it and a and a betrayal and a, and a failure of those things at certain times because we so want to do that but at the sort of height of connectedness and and love and passion and we we make that promise to each other mm-hmm. let's go back to the uk so you're in the uk you're actually on your way back from edinburgh back to london but you got on the wrong train and you ended up in Bristol. This would surprise nobody <laughs> who knows me that I got on the wrong train. You stayed in a hotel, you went to the bar and you met someone there. I did meet someone there, but that someone actually led me to a party where I met somebody else. Wow. Who actually became the person who was the reason I moved to London. Um, and. One of the things that's different between 2010 and now is that actually I haven't been in touch with with this person for many, many years. And bless Facebook, (laughs) (laughs) she she found me and got in touch. And it was an amazing and continues to be an amazing experience to reconnect 30 years later with someone, you know, we both have between us 60 years of changing mm. experience to share with each other and wonderfully we get to see what it was you know a, a recognition of what it was that um, you have a lot to talk we about. started with before <laughs> the theme of that song previous song yes. happened and interestingly she's going to probably be the first person who comes and visits me in australia really so there's going to be this it's a gorgeous gorgeous mm. circle if if you wait long enough. And you haven't seen here for, as I said, a long time. Over 30 years. Wow. Yeah, I had a friend recently 
who I hadn't seen for 22 years. In Scotland? And she's Scottish, but she's actually living in England now. Okay. And uh, her daughter, who I knew as a little girl, um, she actually found me for her mother, and uh, Mm. we've just connected back together. And it's a really nice feeling. And as you say, you know, Facebook, thank God, you know, you can reconnect with people after such a long time. Yeah. I started with Changes by David Bowie because I I think that's the theme for me Mm. of of my travels is that we, um, you know, you start off with the best intentions for one reason, but the reason things become significant and meaningful is very often something that you discover down the way. And all along, things are changing. So let's go back to meeting this person in Bristol. Okay. What happened? (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Give us the ghost, Uh, let's see if I can remember. Well, um, we met at this party, and the next day we agreed to meet in Bath, which was actually where I was staying or, or, or mm. going to, and had a had a gorgeously lovely time. And um, I was then going back to the States, and she was going back to Wales. Her father had recently died, and so she had to return home to spend time with her mother. So we only had a very short period of Mm. time together. She subsequently came and visited me in the States at the time I was living in Cambridge, Massachusetts, um, working at Harvard. And I wanted to show her some things, so I took her to New York City Mm. and, you know, wanted to... uh, experience some of America and the strangest thing happened there which is that we ran into my parents oh. in New York on City. a street corner in New York City now I can't imagine how many street corners there are in New York City <laughs> my parents belong very comfortably in Providence Rhode Island they have I used to go to New York to get away from them and all of a sudden there it is we we all you walked meet. into them I walked into them in, in New York and um, what are they saying did they know you, you were gay at that point? Did they know? Um, they suspected. I I don't know what they what they what they actually knew. I know what they wanted to not know, mm. and that was one of the one of the things. So it wasn't something that was was talked about. I my parents visited me in in London once, and I dutifully took them to Paris and we were it happened to be at the time of the French Open and it was also the year that Billie Jean King was outed and her sponsors were you're, you're probably too young to even know who Billie Jean King is but she was a really <laughs> great a Wikipedia she was, yes. unfortunately I look, know who she is <laughs> look, look her up and um Anyway, she was outed, and her sponsors uh, withdrew from her and it was a big hoopla in the states. And my mother was watching the program, the tennis with me, and she said something to me like, um, well, you can understand why her sponsors would do that. And then she looked at me, and I kind of grimaced a little bit, and she said, is there something that you want to tell me, Carol Ann? And I said, yes. I said, you know, some of my best friends are tennis players. <laughs> <laughs> You're on Owen Driven with uh, Hugh, Buddy, and Leo. More with Carol Ann very soon. You're on Joy 94.9, the Owen Driven show with Hugh, Buddy, and Leo. The unmistakable voice of Bette Midler, our guest Carol Ann. Why that song, Carol Ann? I 
I think it sums up a lot about my life, really. Mm, it's a gorgeous song. Mm-hmm. Now, Carol Ann, as we all know, tomorrow is going to be Pride March, the annual Pride March. Now, have you experienced Pride March in Melbourne before? Well, interestingly, I experienced Pride March the very first day I arrived in Melbourne. Yeah, and how, is that just a welcoming party for you to come <laughs> to Melbourne? I thought it was, and she I was very, yeah, I was very pleased. But I, you know, it, a couple of hours before that, I was actually held at customs um, for about forty minutes while my bags were um, searched, and I was interrogated because I had a tea bag in my my. Um, suitcase suitcase that mm. I had completely forgotten about it was something that someone had given me sort mm. of as a token of stay calm on the plane mm. and I'd completely forgotten about it and it looked like um, drugs and they were just about to haul me into the um, you know strip search room I think before we sort of figured out what it was and then I got berated mm. very effectively mm. And that was my entry into Australia. And then I went out and, and, you know, was greeted and taken home. And two hours later, I was brought to this um, Pride Pride March March that you put on for me. And I was just really, really grateful for that. It was terrific. What did you think of that Pride March? Obviously, as a... Well, it was fabulous. It was the one that um, Christine Nixon um, was first at. And so I walked into... to the uh, waiting area and there she was and there was the uh, police uh, jazz band and I thought what is this place you know Australia is a strange <laughs> and wonderful place when you first came to Australia did you know or did you have it in your mind what you were going to do here as a career well I already had a career I was a a practicing psychotherapist for 10 years before that so my hope was if I was going to move here that I would Mm. be able to continue to do that work. So did your qualifications, did they travel over to Australia okay or did you have to? Happily they have, yes. Okay. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your career then. Where did, what is it all about? Well, I, um, where it went, where it was about where it started or what am I doing here? What's it doing now? What about now? Well, right now I have a a private practice. I'm a psychotherapist and relationship counselor and I work um, for my own office in Carleton. Prior to that, I had a wonderful year at the Victorian AIDS Council um, Counseling Services, which gave me an opportunity to um, see whether Australians could understand me and <laughs> it gave me a chance to mm-hmm. begin to be able to understand them. I mean, one of the jokes is, of course, that I'm learning to speak English for the third time, having started in the States, gone to England and now, mm-hmm. now in Australia. And, um, y- you know, if you want to test me, we can <laughs> see <laughs> how I'm doing. What's your favorite Australian expression? My favorite Australian expression is no worries. No because worries. Because it's just so not true. And I love really? it, but you say it with such gorgeous, um, casual conviction. So, relationship therapist, you said that you, that's your job right now. Um, what's the biggest problem that relationships are facing these days? What's the biggest thing that keeps coming back to you? People come see you and it's a common theme happening. That's a wonderful question. Um, Is there a common theme happening at the moment? Listen, I think all relationships are different, and mm. I think I think problems are different. But uh, you know, I think that there are the stresses of getting to know each other, and um, there are the illusions that early connection generates, which are uh, they're not nec- it's, it's not that they're not true, 
but we get held in a in a bubble for a while and then at a certain point reality has to intervene and i think that's often a time that's very difficult for relationships when they have to sort of step outside of that bubble and interact with the world and then you discover that you're different people and you have different needs and react differently to to situations and that can be quite a challenge that's how to get through that as well i guess and how to get through that Mm. do you deal with same-sex couples or Yes, probably yeah. half of my practice is working with... Is there a difference between the relationships of same-sex couples and a man and a woman? You know, I think fundamentally, um, on an emotional level, there are a lot of shared problems. I think that though uh, s- straight couples have a kind of cushion of acceptability, you know, of being accepted mm. and normal in, in a way, and so there are things that they don't even have to consider. Um, you know, unless somebody has married someone that their family disapproves of, in a way, there's usually sort of a cushion of conventional support that surrounds a, mm. um, a, a heterosexual couple that isn't necessarily there for a same-sex couple. Do you think that heterosexual married couple have an advantage of being able to get married does that hold them together a little bit better than a same-sex couple who can't get married what mm. do you think Hugh? <laughs> i don't know <laughs> you know i, I think it, it it matters to be honest with you i mean just being really frank here i just because it's you're on some paper that you're married doesn't really mean some of the strongest relationships uh with a man and a woman or a woman and a woman a man and a man who have been together for years and years and years without that official your marriage document mm. do you know what I mean so look I think there are a lot of things to question about that paper and what it actually means yeah. and what I would wish would come into the the discussions and debates about gay marriage are actually discussions about marriage and what that means and what what it means to seek um approval from the outside and legitimacy from the outside of a relationship and i'm not saying that that i'm not saying that that there aren't significant things in that but i think that we have stepped away from some of the real um the history of marriage and um the conventions of marriage in an attempt to seek equality and and get what we think will create that um, that legitimacy. And, but I really wish in the discussions that we would look at marriage as well as gay marriage. Is there a difference though? I mean, gay marriage and, I know it, it can happen in mm. this country, but is there a difference between gay marriage and straight marriage? I mean, Love is love, even day. Gay, gay, we're a lot happier. Well, I think, we, I yeah. think there are some hard questions that we should ask about marriage mm. before we rush to think that that's the form um, that best protects and supports and nurtures relationships. I mean, it doesn't solve everything, does it? No, it doesn't solve everything, but it may in some ways avoid um, avoid a deeper solving of, of, yep. of problems. Okay. We'll come back to Caroline's story very soon. Join 94.9. This is On Driven with Leo, Booty and Hugh. And our guest today is Caroline. Now, before the uh, sponsorships, Caroline, we were talking about marriage. Now, tell me, um, would you ever consider if you could getting married? There'd have to be a really 
compelling reason why that was um, something that wanted that to was do. On, uh, yeah, yeah. What about you, Leah? I have never been come to come close to that scenario, so I can't. It's not even in my head at the moment at all. If I found the guy in my dreams and I was just made in love with him, I don't know. You know, I mean, part of me thinks I don't need a piece of paper to say I'm married or you know I'm with him because mm. you decide within the two of you that you're going to be a committed couple or you're going to be. Yeah, so I I don't I'm sort of on the fence because I haven't really experienced that. Mm. Now, yeah. Booty, you've got a partner. I mean. Would you consider it? Um, oh, look, I think as with any debates about gay marriage, I think the option should be there. Um, but that, um, I agree with Caroline, I think marriage should be an option um, that's given to everybody, um, regardless of your sexuality. So um, would I consider it personally? Ooh, ask me next time. Okay. <laughs> now, Is Car- your listening? <laughs> Caroline, you were telling me something interesting. You're a member of JOY. As, as a single I person, am a member But you joy. have a business Yeah, one, of the, ch- one well. of the changes since 2010 is that I'm also a business member of Joy. Now, um, what made so you I get lots of emails. Yeah, I was waiting to say, you must get double emails. <laughs> if you want to become a business membership, it's only $165, and you can become a member simply by calling 1-300-569-949. That's 1-300-569-949, or go to our website, joy.org.au. Okay, well, Caroline, I'm sorry we've come to the end of the show. Thank you very much for coming on today. It's my pleasure. Have you enjoyed yourself the second time around? Oh, yes. Yeah? Okay, well, that is on Driven for another week. Our thanks to Caroline for taking time out today and having a really nice chat with us. Also, uh, coming up next is Shapau Show with Shannon. Stay tuned for a great show. Thanks for joining us on Driven today. On Driven will be back again at the same time, 4 o'clock next Saturday afternoon, with more insights into our GBL, GLBTIQ community here in Australia and, of course, around the world. And from Leo and Booty. And have also Hugh. <laughs> <laughs> have a great week. Yeah, have a great week. Bye-bye. You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ Community Radio Station, Joy 94.9. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.